0: Who died and made you Incident Commander?
1: I ask that of you all the time. Oh, that was the job I got after you fired me, Chris. Thank you.
0: I failed up in the world. (laughs) 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 Somehow.
1: Just for the record, I did not know, nor was I a part of any firing... Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs.
0: And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice.
1: So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years.
0: Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we didn't actually know where we were going to end up when we started talking. But I, Jake, tell the story of when Chris... Betrayed me.
1: And I try to listen without making it all about me.
0: Shocker. <laughs> Stick around. It's going to be all a great right. episode. I've been thinking a lot about performance. Okay. Job performance, high-performing teams. I've, I've had a, a, a chance lately to work with a lot of high-performing uh, teams, both in a work environment, athletics. Um, but not so I, I don't mean i don't ah, it's gonna sound disparaging i actually don't mean my team
1: <laughs> oh okay yeah 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 so this is kind <laughs> of so, like, like outside through, of, outside, the, of my, outside of my at work the oh, and, but, yeah and i think my we talk a lot fine. about that. Like, yeah cuz you work with federal government you work with yeah lots all of sorts different
0: groups of taking a restorative approach to to the everyday sort of uh, thinking about the conditions that teams are working in not just the end product because we tend to focus on productivity or how well right. the team's doing, or right. uh, if they're winning medals and banners and titles and all of those kind of things, sort of those uh, credentials that mm-hmm. show that they're high functioning. And what we spend a lot of time doing is looking at the relationships actually behind that. So even when teams are excelling it, at what cost? Mm-hmm. What's the mortgage being paid in terms of the relationships? Okay, uh, Who's getting a voice? Who's not getting a voice? How equitable are the teams? Do they function as as just communities. And if not, what would help? What would make it better? What would make it work? And uh, it's, it's been really, really interesting lately. So particularly when I'm talking to some coaches to think about um, the roles that people have on these teams and how we've flattened it out a lot. Right. And we've flattened workplaces out and we flattened families. Like you, you can see that I think in a lot of our, structures that were typically built in sort of on a hierarchy or they were built to reflect other systems.
1: Yeah. The, the early primate communities would have a large male and yeah. everybody else coalesced around that. And then we just built systems to facilitate that with the feudal system and Kings and Lords and all and now that we, kind of thing. And
0: now we pay attention to how people feel and mm-hmm. we flatten it right out mm-hmm. and we become really consultative And Mm -hmm. we make sure that everyone's attended to Mm -hmm. and everyone has a voice. And then some coaches are like, yeah, so it's been really hard to coach now. It's it's really hard to win actually because we flatten things. So so helping people find their roles and find out how do you win? Uh, What do you do when things go wrong? But more importantly, How do you pay attention to the conditions required for things to go right on the everyday? So I've been thinking a lot about teams lately.
1: So that's interesting because uh, there's sort of what's required for the group to be successful versus the individual. And that that goes along with this uh, book that I've mentioned um, before to you, um, ProSocial. Mm -hmm. And it's high-performing teams are not necessarily full of high-performing individuals who tend to be high-performing at the expense of other people around them. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're high-performing because they care about the success of the group because their own identity is tied to it pretty strongly. This is coming out of some Google work. But there's an angle to this that's very interesting to me because I think about it often when you're, you know, before we start recording or when we're uh, talking, I will often reflect on something you experienced in light of my own experience. And I, and I think that may be a way of making it about me, right? So. There's a sort of a wait, well, wait. So,
0: wait. Even, so we're, we're we're hearing that you make things about you. Yeah. If we could, if Connor, if we could sort of have that news flash <laughs> sound effect. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think that may be
1: a way of making it about me. Okay. So I'm because I'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> that you could say, look. So those individuals need to understand that their needs may sometimes be subservient to the needs of the group or that their sense of justice and fair play is secondary. But your work is very much about saying there's a primary voice. And I'm wondering about reflecting on that just in the way I interact with everybody because my daughters, you know, in their early 30s, they'll be uh, with me and they'll say something and I'll reflect back a story that I think I'm trying to understand what they said. I'm trying to internalize it. I'm trying to tell them I do. So I reflect it from my perspective because that's all I get to work with. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, dad, don't make it all about yourself. And I think (laughs) everything's all about myself. I, this uh, human experience is about me. I, I, there's no way I can see it from your point of view. I can understand when you articulate a point of view, but I can never comprehend the way your neural net takes in the world through your biological optics you know I just there's no way I can do that and so first of all I think I'd love to explore that a little bit with you but on a team how Mm -hmm. do you how do you share a message what's good for the team may be more important what's good for you but at the same time is it more profound than that is that person confusing justice and fair play into making it all about themselves so justice for them would be them before others
0: I think so um I wonder sometimes why we choose the justice pathway that we choose. So sometimes it is fiercely individual. Uh, it could be that I feel wronged and I want a pound of flesh. I want something to be made right. Like right, um, somebody should hurt because someone should hurt. Right. Yeah. So, but but sometimes people choose a pathway, I think, because they want to make it better for other people, and that motive is very different. And I see that quite a bit. Where uh, particularly on teams where they want to Mm. like whistleblower hotlines, um, communication pathways where uh, in companies you could talk about financial mismanagement or who's stealing something. It could be like there's like the red zone whistleblower someone's doing wrong. That's one avenue. Then there's the kind of things I care about this place. And I see something wrong and I want this place to be better. But I don't necessarily want someone to get in trouble. I should probably speak up to it. There's probably a lot more of those gray zone cases and and, 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 uh, circumstances that people want to bring forward and just don't know what's going to happen. So if I do this, will I get someone fired?
1: I think that's interesting. Um, Again, this book that I keep talking about, it uses um, these, uh, they call them, Core Design Principles, Mm -hmm. and it's based on this woman's work that she won a Nobel Prize for. Her last name is Ostrom. But anyways, the version of the way this works in a group would be um, you clearly define the boundaries, who's in and out. You define the group. Um, And in this book right here, they take um, uh, an approach of shared identity and purpose. Okay, so you have to establish that. And then the second one is equitable distribution of contributions and benefits, where we get nobody benefits more in the group than others, and nobody has to contribute more in the group than others. And we've been talking about that, how contribution and effort definitely affects fair play. And then the third one is uh, fair and inclusive decision-making, which speaks to your hierarchical Mm -hmm. approach. No, anti-hierarchical approach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you move to monitoring agreed behaviors. So we know what our purpose and our identity is. We're all pitching in and benefiting equally, and we're all participating in inclusive decision-making. So now we're going to monitor agreed behaviors in a non-restorative approach that looks like whistleblowing because you, but you do want a way to talk about it, which is really interesting. I think I was thinking, as you said that in the fifties, people would have said, Keep your nose clean, keep your head down and mind your own business. Right. If you see something, whatever you do, don't say something. 9-11 happens and then all everybody See, something, see say something. something, say something. We're all ratting yeah. on each other, right? Now every black family at a pool is getting arrested by the police in uh, the United States because everybody's seeing something and saying something. So this principle here, monitoring agreed behaviors, sounds great. And I'll go to the other ones in a minute.
0: Those first four just sound like group norming. Um, so when mm. you start a meeting, you start facilitating, you start a workshop, oftentimes in my experience, facilitators will do exactly what you've just said. How do we want to learn today? What are some group norms? What do people need? And we attend to that. We, we build that list together. Oh, we need breaks. So we need to end on time. We need everyone's, right. you know, we need to respect the thing that are said in the room that stays in the room, whatever those norms are. We list those, we put them up on the wall. And then we monitor that thing that we built together. So we've created that. So those first four tend to show up as a um, co-creation space. This is who we are together. This is what we're building together. And we are going to hold each other accountable to this thing that we just said, which I think is slightly different because we built that together than responding to the thing that in that way that's very flat in a system that you didn't build. So you walk into a workplace, you didn't actually build this thing together. There aren't any agreed and shared norms. There are just the norms of how we do it here. Right. So you either assimilate or you're not quite a fit. And so we have orientations. We bring people into our workplaces and we tell them how we do things here, which I think is normal. And we have to find ways to do that all the time. But the real opportunity, if we're building inclusive workplaces, we're also slowing down to say, how can you change who we are? How can we always be evolving instead of just give you the the route line of, well, this is the way we do it here.
1: What if the evolution is how you is, do it somewhere else? Yeah, you know what? I don't like our purpose, or our shared identity. So we should become this to be successful. Mm-hmm. Then you'd have to say, well, that's not who we are. Right. How, how do you tell the difference between, oh, we get a chance to evolve? Uh, which is a very slow process over millions of years, mm-hmm. or we can just be somebody else. We can pivot into a hierarchical team dynamic with, you know, retributive principles.
0: I think it does matter a lot to have some uh, core guidepost of, of identity of who you are. Like if you were a hockey team, uh-huh. And the new person who came on the team knew you were a hockey team. And all of a sudden, one day said, we should play with a soccer ball.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: You'll be like, well, that that's because interesting. But that's actually not who we are.
1: I'm good. I'm really good at soccer ball. Yeah. And so if you don't give me a chance to do that, I can't be contributing. And I feel that's unfair. That's not just.
0: That is not just. But we should find you a place where you can do that
1: like a so, uh, soccer over team. Over team. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> which, which so we should help you. To, I think you do this in your work all the time is helping people find their highest level of contribution, not just the equal amount. So we, we don't all right. show up at eggs. Ex- yes. I have to work as hard as you have to work. Yeah. I have to work as hard as I can.
1: Yes. In a context in which I have a high success rate. Versus don't put me somewhere where I'm no good all the time. We, I, I call that my high fail rate zone. So <laughs> I, I, I'm i pretty good on a stage behind a mic, but when afterwards it's okay. my fail rate goes just, I can feel it going, I'm having one-on-one conversations. And then we go to the drinks afterwards and it's pretty much, I, I go from <laughs> a 10% fail rate to potentially 60 to 70%.
0: Yeah. So they need to get you out. Yes. Of the a uh, car okay. Of way. Yeah, a driver, a get them out. Yeah. Extraction team. That so that that makes sense. I, I I wonder if um if what we're talking about though in terms of those four norms, what were some of the other ones? They, okay, said there so, were eight.
1: So here they were again. We begin with a shared identity and purpose, and they have right. a model here for bringing people in. Uh, obviously, at that level and helping them. And these are not sequential necessarily. Equitable distribution of contributions and benefits. We're all going to pitch in as we're able, and we're going to benefit equally as well, based on that. And that does not mean the same. Mm-hmm. It's equitable, not equal. Mm-hmm. Fair and inclusive decision making, monitoring agreed behaviors. So we're at that four. Now we move to your a space that you are very, very I, you're very comfortable with this, but even more so. Uh, And I think it gets complicated here for most of the rest of us. Graduated responding to helpful and unhelpful behavior. So this is not, I almost said this is not sanctions, but Ostrom's original work that she did after studying all these very successful communities is graduated sanctions. Mm -hmm. So there is this sort of sense of, okay, will we hit this level? But what I like about what Wilson and co-authors did is they said, but there's also... Responding to helpful and unhelpful behavior because you can move people along to better levels of leadership. Number six, fast and fair conflict resolution.
0: Fast and fair. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah.
1: They go into some restorative stuff here. I think it could be uh, a lot beefier, but that's good. And then number seven, authority to self-govern. Now this one's really interesting. Because this then begins to turn on itself and you take all of the first six ones and you say, now your group is responsible for all of these six things. Okay. Nobody's going to come in and do it for you. You don't have to do it for anybody else. These are your principles. And then they have to have the agency to actually do that, which obviously freaks out some managers giving agency to other people. Finally, collaborative relationships with other groups. So the idea is that how this group operates in sort of this pro-social and I would say transformative way uh, restorative way is contagious, and you can actually see that culture shift across other teams because of the way you act as a team towards teams sends a strong signal of norms in the group.
0: The self governance piece yeah. is interesting to me because you see a lot of professional groups that that regulate. Uh, that way, so it could be um, hmm. groups of realtors. Uh, oh, right! Uh, yes. It could be um, the oil industry. Uh, kind of lawyers as a profession, right? Um, right. Uh, so you you have a, a group of other lawyers who will hold, in terms of that that society, will hold them uh, each other accountable, accountable, yeah. and we'll test it out. And so when when you start to say fast and fair, I think I get the. Reason behind it, you don't want it to fester. You want to recognize it. You don't want it to get worse. Right. I think the the risk on fast is that it actually may not be fair because it will lack context. I think it's fast to start, but not fast to finish. Uh, It doesn't have to get to resolution. It just has to get to process. Something's happening and we're going to be paying attention. And we're deeply committed to figuring out what's going on, what matters most about what's going on. What needs to happen to make things right? Like really asking different questions. What would have helped? What do you need? Right. Um, instead of just getting to resolution. But I, I, I'm i going to have to read this. I think that's very interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think that's some good reflection. I'm going to go back. I've read it uh, almost twice now, so I'm going to go back through it again. Getting back to the original piece, which was somebody on a team who thinks, look, I should be given more of an opportunity but they're, th- they're new, they're, mm-hmm. they just, in terms of straight up competencies, closing sales, getting things done, project management, whatever it may be, they're third tier. And there's lots of opportunity to grow. That's, I mean, that's where they came in. But they see somebody who you're going to put somebody on a team to, to make something happen when the stakes are high and you that's good for the team so we can all get paid to do the next thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or we can win enough games to go to the next level. How do you talk to people who seem to be making it about themselves like me when I'm talking and I'm I don't feel like I'm making it about myself I'm just saying it from the only perspective I have and yet when I look at two other people I can easily say oh my gosh she's making it all about herself she should just you know mm-hmm. step back and just let the let let the team benefit even if she doesn't get to, you know, contribute at this state or he. But
0: I I wonder if there are franchise players, like sometimes we try to minimize the fact that the roles we play are very, very different. There are Mm -hmm. people who have to go out and deliver. And I think it is recognizing all of the different contributions in an equitable way. Like not just the equal play time, but when you do have the opportunity, are you contributing in the, in the way that you are, most supported to be successful? If you're undertaking this work, do you have all of the required skills and uh, supports to be successful? I think that's kind of important. And if you do, and you're still not successful, teams have coaches, those are hard conversations that I think we are less comfortable with anymore. Like when it talked about how do you check in in a measured approach,
1: yeah, in both
0: That measured and- approach if a good and we had, right? Yeah, yeah. So you want to coach up and 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 manage out.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, uh,
0: because those are both things that are paying attention to keeping the team healthy and functioning and going well. And that's someone's
1: job too. And that's reasonable. But when I'm the person being coached out, <laughs> yeah, or off and I look at it and say, but it's not fair because I could have performed If we just started using that soccer ball, it's just not fair that you all are stuck on this puck idea.
0: Right. Well, it's like when you coached me out, (laughs) and I I didn't have have a chance. I didn't. No, we're let's. We're doing this. We're going to do this now. I I didn't have. (laughs) This is the worst. You wanted more vulnerability. Here we go.
1: I I did not. I I I, for other people's suggestions. I remember when we
0: were working together, and then I sat down on a cup comp- with an c- individual who was
1: not you. We should add a diddle diddle moment where you went back in time. Okay, so you're sitting down with an individual who's not me. Who's because, not you? Where, where am I?
0: You were gone on vacation. And I was yes. And I sat down with a person who was on the board, mm-hmm. and I thought we were meeting just to check in. And they took the opportunity to tell me that we were parting ways. And, you know, a whole bunch of feelings in this moment. Yeah. Betrayal.
1: Not not right now though, right? Jake, just for the audience. It's uh
0: we've we've worked on it over the last number of years. <laughs> <laughs> but every once in a while it burns. Um I felt betrayed. I felt surprised. I felt shocked. Um uh, ambushed. A whole bunch of things, right? So I think the uh the place is really important for these kind of conversations The yeah. notice for these conversations. You have to see them coming. I did not. So I yeah. felt ambushed, but the conversation was mostly about fit that he, he or the board or you, whoever it was that was deciding it because no one owned it, which was mm. what, when no one owned it, everybody owned it. That's mm. why I got angry. No one mm. would own the fact that, Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm not a fit here Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I didn't even get a chance to figure that out, Mm -hmm. someone's decided that I'm not a fit here, felt really hard, really hard. Right. When I look back, it's probably not wrong. Actually, the process was awful, but the conclusion was absolutely right. Yeah. It got me unstuck. I was able to go do other things. I think about some of the painful exits that I've had along the ways, whether those are relationships or that's jobs or those transition points. Some are by my own choosing and some, like when you get your friend to fire me, wasn't. They did open up something, a reflective space that I got to think about. Who do I want to be now? Hmm. What's the next opportunity? It's just hard to do that when you're really angry. Like probably not thinking, your brain's not really firing no. in all the right no. ways. Yeah. So I I had to take a little bit of time. Yeah. And you, like, little yeah. do I know. Okay. So you're I, you're like well, what? Happened I don't Jake? want to
1: make this about me.
0: Yeah, I know you would. I'm <laughs> going to set you up for it. <laughs> you're on
1: vacation. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when did I find out you were fired?
0: Well, as the story goes, when uh-huh. you got back. No, I thought so.
1: No, when you got back, I was told that you weren't, you had moved on or you were moving on and you and I exchanged, I don't know, a few texts or it, this was yeah, early yeah. cell phone days. It was very cryptic. No, I'm good. But I I 75 like, okay. cents
0: a text message probably back then.
1: I didn't see this guy for basically a year. I remember where yeah. I was in the blockbuster picking out a movie wow. and we and- were very close. We were in crazy, incredibly close, and we started having this conversation. And you said fired. I said what? <laughs> and you said yeah, because Ron and Bart had Ron. What? I didn't know about the conversation. I thought you had left. So I was a little bit like we were just getting going, and he's like, I can do better. Let's go do something else. I, I didn't understand. So that's a great example of a fairly <laughs> dysfunctional little group where two people who are incredibly close. Right, that can be interrupted by a conversation that breaks the faith of the whole thing. That right, for everybody involved.
0: So let's go deeper, oh. because you no, yeah, yeah. Smart? Because okay. I think one of the things that made that hard yeah. was that we resisted the natural uh, roles. So you always said, oh, man, I don't want to be the executive director. Like, we're, we're equals. We're equals. Yes. You always tried to keep it flat. Yes. But you were the executive director.
1: In name only, maybe.
0: Well, that's what you kept saying. But it turned yes, out did, to be said, true. I and did. you said it over and over. Yeah. And this is just what we have to be. It's yeah. just the structure. Yeah. We're doing this together. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're building this together. We've built this together from the Driving around and picking up food. Look what we're building. So, fine. Wasn't until uh, you were no longer a fit that I started to feel better. <laughs> so,
1: so, for the audience here. So, I was like, I oh,
0: maybe it. he was
1: telling me the truth. Neither a one of us were a fit. <laughs> I got invited to a conversation at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And, same thing. Uh, it was like, this or that. Okay, good. I'm glad you agree. We're letting you go. Now, letting me go at that point was not a huge deal. It was about being asked to depart something that you were helping Mm -hmm. to build, that you were helping to make, that you were getting so much out of. It was such an important part of your growth.
0: I think that's what what hurt the most, I think, is that we were doing this thing and then we were told that we had to have structure around it in yep. order to get more money. And yep. that all made sense and to get donations and to be legit. And so we had to have a board and yet got, then we had to figure out, well, who's going to be on the board and then all the right people that who needed to be on the board. And they were good people. They're all Absolutely. good people.
1: They did. And they shared the values. They shared they, the values. They, they love the community.
0: What they didn't know is that this was, you were like firing me from life. Yeah. And I could not understand that piece. Yeah, Like it was a HR approach that, that gutted because it wasn't about losing the money because we were barely making any, that was fine. And it turns out maybe that's why we weren't a fit. (laughs) If the job is to go (laughs) bring in money and we were just happy to bring in bread at some point, (laughs) we were going to get fired. Fair enough.
1: And he meets literal bread. Yeah, like, that's no money. We're bringing in bread. You mean money? No loaves of. Yeah, let's go stale pick.
0: <laughs> let's go pick up stale bread and green peppers, and we'll make something. Mm-hmm. And I get it now, looking back, painful time. But when I think about it, being asked to exit a job wasn't as hard as exiting that community, that yeah. team. And then feeling like I couldn't come back and feeling Uh, feeling the shame associated with, well, I was here last week and now I'm not here and I can't say goodbye. And that's really hard. And so I've thought about that exit a lot over the years, not in a way that makes me bitter, just in a way that helps me frame up exiting communities and, and maybe how to do that better.
1: All right. Well, before we wrap up, I got to get back to you. I need a better response to my daughters when they share something and I reflect on it and I'm making it about me.
0: I just don't know how I do, I do not know how I was going to say, I don't know how you're supposed to not. But maybe it's maybe that's an internal monologue. Like maybe it's not processing it. In that moment with them.
1: No. OK. It could just be as simple as just. Quietly listening to person.
0: holding it, holding space. Is,
1: if I don't talk about it, I don't remember it. Yeah, true. Um, and and I think it's really important. So that's the thing when when somebody says something really important, I, I'm like, okay, how do I make that personalize it, own it? Because I'll never believe it's important unless it is connected to my identity. Right. A- everything in my life that's important is about how I perceive myself or hope I'm perceived, right? Or how it can help me from being seen. So I have my secret self my private self my public self i want you to see me this way i want to be understood this way and i never want anybody to know about this part the secret part um but that usually involves me talking about it whatever it is but i don't want to feel i i just am trying to avoid that no jarvis just makes it all about himself he never even heard what i said because i do that too i just i can't tell the difference between that moment and and Tell me, well, how do you do it?
0: i well, I've not really reflected on it. Maybe folks would say I don't do that <laughs> but i I try to slow it down, I try to listen, think about it, yeah, um but I think you're right that if you don't talk about it or you don't process it in some way i think did I ever tell you my mom's three rules about no. saying something no. I I hate giving her credit for this, but she, she
1: hits, me, hits me with this and I said this and for a long time. And just for everybody, Jacob loves his mom. I do.
0: I love her very he much, except crazy. yeah, I can't – yes. What she says about when to speak, does it have to be said? Does it have to be said right now? And does it have to be said by you? And unless you have all three conditions, you should shut up.
1: Okay, so that is exactly what I feel like is happening. But I'm not. I didn't start doing it until my fifties. And we're walking along, and I'm walking with uh, three women who I'm connected to, uh, like because they're my daughters and and a partner. And mm-hmm. we're walking along, and um, and I have. I think I've gotten to your mom's place. Of do you have to? What what were they again?
0: Do you have? Does it have to be said? Does it have yeah. to be said by you? And does uh-huh. it have to be said right now?
1: So yes. Run through this really quickly. like, Because one of my weird things is I get a lot of value by contributing information or what I perceive as insight to a conversation. So like a fact or this or that. You endure it all the time.
0: We all do on the call.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Automatically, we're walking along and somebody will say something and I'll say, oh, yeah, did you know yada yada? Or what about this? And is there another perspective? Okay, didn't need to be said. Didn't be said by me, for sure, and didn't be said right now. So now people are saying, now I feel like I'm that quiet, you know, that quiet man who doesn't ever say anything and just, you know, watches Fox News and plays golf by himself kind of thing and talks to other men. I don't know what I'm saying. Well,
0: I do think think part of the work of being, uh, or it is work, right? It's this conscious uh, incompetence. Like when we know we're stepping into dangers, we, I do think we have to not spout off that privileged s- spot that we have to just, hey, I'm speaking. Why isn't everyone listening? Right. So maybe it is time to slow down. Some yeah, of you those don't have things. to run to
1: the mic every time. Yeah.
0: Well, certainly not us. There are voices that don't get heard as much. Yeah. Uh, and so I think if, if that's one of the things helping to slow you down, which is a deep commitment to hearing diverse perspectives and making sure that if we're trying to make conversations more accessible, then we, we want to make sure that we're removing the barrier to that. And that could be us.
1: It could be. Yes. And so, and the, so create space, be, yeah.
0: speak, slow it down. It yeah. might be hard, resist the impulse or the natural um, uh, space that we have to just jump in because yeah. well, why wouldn't everyone want my
1: opinion? Yeah. and And obviously you don't, Use the word opinion in your own internal mind. You're like, why wouldn't everybody want me to be included? That's what you think. Why wouldn't everybody want me to be a part of the conversation? Why are they happy to just have me walk with them for fifteen minutes? And of course, they're not. But the thing that I started to add that is really interesting is the internal conversation. What? So going back to your mom's three amazing rules: Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said now? Mm -hmm. The one that I find myself ruminating on in my quiet listening as the conversation goes on beyond me now or to Mm -hmm. the next thing or whatever is what was it about what I was going to say that was important to me? Like what, what? Yeah. So in taking the other side of the perspective, they're just commiserating on empathy and felt emotions and that, and what it would be like to be in that. And then I'm going to somehow give, yeah, but you have to understand in certain situations, blah, blah, blah. Why did I want to say that? What was I, Weirdly defending something. Do I act that way? Yet, so it's been interesting because it doesn't mean that you're not conversing. It just means that there's an opportunity to maybe ask a really interesting question, which is why did it feel so urgent to say it?
0: Yeah, I think asking that question is important. I also think there's some quality of facilitation that we we can build into our relationships. So I have some great colleagues who just embody this probably because the work that we're doing is facilitating restorative conversations on, on a regular basis. But if I'm in a conversation and I'm quiet and I'm trying to either listen or create space, or maybe I'm just not feeling very confident in being able to contribute anything. Yeah. I do appreciate that some of my colleagues will stop and say, uh, you've been quiet. So they, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. So they invite me to participate in certain ways. And so there are ways to, to be, and they're asking themselves, um, who haven't I heard from Mm -hmm. who could contribute to make this better? Mm -hmm. Uh, If we're building this, if we're doing sense-making together, part of our commitment is to hear from all the voices here, Mm -hmm. make sure. And I could say easily, no, no, I'm just listening. I, I don't have anything to contribute, but now I've been Attended to someone's invited me to participate. I've used the agency to not actually contribute, but to to stay in a listening posture, which is still participating. I've found it helpful to start thinking about it in those ways too. It helps me slow down. It gives me something else to do in my head instead of rushing to jump in and speak. Have we heard from everyone? Is it now? Is it now? Should I know? Let's get some more perspectives. Mm -hmm. It's something else to do while I'm trying to um, Mm -hmm. create space to then attend to whose voice hasn't, haven't we heard? So if you're walking with three people and only one is talking, maybe the next thing you say is to one of the others, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Instead Mm -hmm. of jumping in with, well, here's what I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. I think you're really good at that. And I think what do you think is a very um, interesting contribution to a conversation because You know, speaking is such a small part of a conversation. Huge. The listener is doing a lot more work than the speaker. And um, I got to check this out again, but I was uh, looking at this uh, thing uh, that was coming out of neuroscience that was talking about our speech patterns. And when I start to speak, I basically only have a general vague notion of a direction that I want to go in. I haven't thought through the argument. I don't know what my last sentence is going to be. When I write a blog before I put it up, I see the front, I see the end, I see the, the, I see, we do not talk that way before Mm -hmm. we present it to others. We just launch right in and it is whatever it is. And it turns out (laughs) that the vague notion of the direction is about all we consciously control the rest is a system of very fast algorithms of predicting. reading yeah yes so we're saying the most likely next word your brain does it almost automatically like your heart beating and it just puts out this language that you can kind of interact with but it is it is a lot of its pre-conscious right so it's a predictive model of language which is exactly what chat gpt is um, which is ironic that we would build a machine that works like our own brains, but that actually doesn't seem that ironic at all in a way. So I don't, I didn't know where it was going to end up. And if you've ever been me and I don't know that you can imagine what that's like, but uh, <laughs> you'll stop at some point and go, shoot, what were we talking about? Yeah. Right. That that kind of your brain will take you down paths and continue things like I'm doing right now. I wanted to stop talking about two minutes ago. I have to keep going now for some unknown reason. And all of this, if I just say, what do you think about that? Or internalize, go, what was going on? Just to take a look at the whole blog Mm -hmm. and read it myself before I share it with anybody else is a really interesting practice, but it is not how we've evolved. If we just, if we just start talking, that's not exactly how our brains work. Does no, make- and
0: I, yeah, it, ma- it makes it makes a lot of Did sense. I and end I, up
1: where I hoped I was going
0: to end it does make sense, and I think we we have to have different modes of communication and pace of communication depending on the context. So, yeah. if it's more urgent, we're shorter with each other. I need this. I need this right now. And so, when we're up against deadlines, the way we talk to each other changes. When we're doing emergency uh, management. Uh, And we're um, discussing what needs to happen next. The phrases are short. The communication is more direct. Uh, It's easier for people to get offended because yes, someone's telling you what to do. You're going to do this and going to do this next. You're going to report back. We need this kind of so we shorten it. There's not a whole lot of time for what do you think about this? What so there's um, in incident command or uh, emergency scene management. This is one of those core principles of, of uh, clear, direct communication. It works really well if the relationships are strong. If everyone has a clear sense of purpose, what are we trying to do? What's the mission today? The communication can be short and quick when you're a little bit vague on what are we trying to do or why are you talking to me that way? Why is the, like, how come you get to make all the decisions? Who died and made you incident commander?
1: I asked that of you all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Oh, that was the job I got after you fired me, Chris. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I failed up in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> somehow.
1: I just for the record, I did not know, nor was I a part of any firing. Well,
0: I I, I believe that now. I, I came right. to believe that. I just didn't believe that in the moment, which right. how why would I? It yeah. seemed like a massive oh, betrayal, yeah, exactly. and exactly. And then I did what I do: is I just yeah. retreated. Some people you. would like show up at your house and smash out every window. That's not me.
1: No, you're peace loving. I'm Withra- just like you. Withdraw. You're dead to me. Yep. Yes. I, I definitely you and burn everything.
0: Burn go? everything down. Everything goes, <laughs> and which is a painful way to go through life yeah. because it isolates and and uh, you know we lost out on good time together, which I regret, Um, but I can't change my default position. That's where I go. That is, that is where I go now. That is where I will go forever. When I'm hurt, I withdraw. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Not this podcast, but that's, I just know that about myself. So. Right,
1: right, right. And with the theme this season of, uh, Revisiting ourselves in the past and checking in to say, I, you know, obviously I didn't like that about me. I regret that, but can I be okay with that? Or what do I do with that now? Or like you just said, that default is still there. It's not like uh-huh. I, I may be better at seeing it, negotiating uh-huh. with it, but that part, if we're using internal family systems therapy, um, <laughs> that part it gets a good meal and is very active to this day. Uh-
0: I think I reset faster now, though, because I know it. Okay. Right? So back then, I wouldn't have articulated it as that. I yeah. probably would take space to protect myself, to be angry, so I don't lash out and make things worse because it's burning anger. Like, I get really angry. And when I get really angry, I have to withdraw because I know if I stay, I'm going to make it worse. But it ends up eating me because I'm now without community. I never seen you really angry. Because I leave. Yeah. <laughs> It's because I leave, but I have now learned I need to reset faster and I okay. need to have different strategies to reset faster, to bring me back into community because I, I won't function well when I'm off on my own.
1: Right. Right. But exactly. I yeah. Can't. No, because it's community. tell yourself. Exactly. If you had, re- if you had removed yourself and never reconnected, you would you would be left with a misperception of actually what happened and mm-hmm. you are my relationship. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should look at talking to our parts and how our parts like how you ha, how you or anybody needs could check in quicker. Just the basic sense of because I like to think that was my past self, but my past self still lives here. And um it's just learning I rec- how to live with it.
0: I recognize yes, I think that's right. So I'm not as fast in figuring out this. The situation as I am at reading the this doesn't feel right. I can't okay. stay here. Like I will come to rationalize out what about the situation is making me angry? What about this is making me sad? What about this? Yeah. But I recognize angry and sad. I recognize this right. place. I've been here before. I don't like being here. I need to reset, <sighs> and then that. I can think.
1: Yeah. Right? Okay. Let's let's start with that on the next on the next episode or uh, an upcoming episode when you get those signals how do you work with yourself like mm-hmm. uh, i that would be a fascinating conversation and and i will like to explore a little uh, internal family systems therapy on that
0: it'll be fun. it's it's felt like that today <laughs> unpacking my firing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was fun conversation oh, yeah. i'm going to tell myself. you owe
0: me 2 bread. weeks pay by the way oh really 2 weeks of bread or whatever it is that we're um, bringing in
1: green peppers and because broccoli.
0: i stormed out with a Take off. I don't care. Now, with interest, 20 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole year's worth of slice (laughs) wiper. Sounds good. See you next time.